This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For every one hour that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Whether you're a community-based hospital, a university institution, the Mayo Clinic, or anywhere in between, healthcare has really felt the impact of technology. And more specifically, it's felt the impact of IT. The influx of data is revolutionizing how professionals give care. But with those nodes also come increased cybersecurity risks. So the current state of healthcare IT is a tricky one to maneuver, and we wanted to get a guided perspective. So I'd like to welcome Brett Stubinger to the podcast, Director of Sourcing for TPC, a company that helps community-based health systems to achieve large system value in order to preserve their independence. Brett, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure having you on, and I'm looking forward to getting your expert insight on really just the state of IT and healthcare. So I think we need to get right into the weeds, really. And I'd like to ask, what is the current general state of IT and healthcare? And what has it led to over the last, let's say, five to 10 years? Yeah, I would say that in a word, it's complex. <laughs> As you might imagine, uh, IT and healthcare uh, might be, of course, but uh, within the healthcare sector, with the adoption of EMRs over the last 15, 20 years and really accelerated in the last 10, that has driven a, obviously a, a lot of investment into uh, each hospital's IT infrastructure. They've had to grow teams and talent, and it's, it's a continuing area where it's hard to get your hands around and how, to, how do you continue to afford what you want to do to support your organization from an IT standpoint, because it is a definitely an area where costs are increasing. Um, but uh, it, it's just very challenging. So, yeah, I mean, I think you said it right with just a complex. <laughs> there, there are a lot of layers to unpack. Um, and so today we're really only going to focus on two, but I think it's the two that are driving the most change in IT and healthcare. And that's going to be data and cybersecurity. Um, you know, both, I think, interact with each other and uh, I think are driving the main changes in healthcare, specifically the data. So I want to dig in there first because I think we've already seen the impact of data on patient care. Uh, professionals in healthcare realize the power of having more personalized, more intentional care that comes from hard information, right? Hard statistics. Uh, but you know, it, it can be difficult sometimes to maneuver around it. So I think there's been a slower adoption rate and it hasn't quite become as widespread. I think just now we're getting to the point where powerful AI is becoming more consistent and more universal in healthcare. So I wanted to get your take on how do you think AI is making its way more concretely into healthcare in you know, 2018, 2019, and beyond? Well, I mean, going back to your original point, uh, you're exactly right. Data is really the heart of what is driving uh, our IT, our IT teams, 
uh, to provide uh, the service that they're providing to our members. Really, IT enables cost-effective care. Um, a quote that I, I heard at HIMSS that I really liked this year was, uh, data is the heart of achieving low-cost, high-quality care that scales. Um, I really like that. That resonated with me, and we're really starting to see that in terms of some of the investments that people are making. Um, over the last few years, you know, whenever you go to HIMSS, you have a lot of futureware, vaporware that has been out there, but um, people have really started to, to hone in and starting de uh, developing and delivering products that really are uh, able to surface really good information, really good insights that they weren't able to do before. And so uh, when you have, and that's what data is, data is about having, data in healthcare I should say, it's about having access to the right information in a timely manner uh, so they're really able to make the best decision for a person's care in that moment and beyond. So we are within, I'll, I'll speak within the TPC membership, for example. Um, we are starting to see some investments in that space within our membership. Uh, you know, I think you tend to think of it mostly at large academic centers. You know, you mentioned the Mayo and your opening, and no doubt about it, it's deployed there, but it really is starting to make its way into uh, those community-based hospitals because they have to do more. They have to, uh, they always have to do more and do better uh, in, in order to make sure they're serving their community as best as possible. So what do you think has been the main inhibitor for AI becoming the widespread piece of technology that I think people are hoping it'll be? Um, I'm sure funding has something to do with it, but is there anything else that is kind of preventing it or has prevented it from becoming universal in healthcare? I think I would refer to my original comments, which is complexity. There are so many different areas in which you can deploy AI. Um, when it comes to a person's care, there are just so many factors that go into play into determining their care. Um, you know, some pieces of AI are just uh, all about reading unstructured data and uh, trying to find correlations between uh, maybe common words that are missed and maybe not documented appropriately, but uh, it, it's relevant to a, a care decision. Some may be uh, actually looking at images, um, going in and looking at a, a level that a human eye can't. Um, you know, uh, there's just a bunch of different areas and each one of them, with so many different people coming to the market, there's just a lot of different takes on it. So I think that really there's a lot of, <clears throat> there's so many tools out there. And so it really is, well, where am I going to put my chips? And so you're starting to see some people will dive in big. Some people, will, um, you know, kind of dive in incrementally or step sure. in incrementally and say, okay, this is a smaller scale solution that uh, will meet this specific need. So it really is just so complex, and I think that uh, it, it is still early in, in their maturity, too. So I think, uh, you know, there's been some, there's been some notable uh, areas of IT, uh, AI, I should say, and healthcare IT, where it was not as promised, and it was a pretty high-profile blunders. And so I think uh, nobody wants to be involved in that. And so, uh, you know, when things like that happen, it may cause people to step back a little bit as well. But uh, with all of that being said, it really is getting to the point where some of these solutions are, are more marketable, 
more, uh, there's more certainty around uh, the promise that they have. And so I think that's why we're starting to see some adoption. Yeah, and I think it naturally, especially for an industry like healthcare, had to take those smaller projects for it to really cement itself as something useful. Because with something as powerful as AI in an industry as human-centric and as calculated as healthcare, you know, you can't just implement some big piece of tech that's supposed to revolutionize everything without there being something to back that up. So those more focused goals of let's implement AI to solve this one small issue in our order of operations or in our daily workflow, and then building out from that was probably the right way to go. And so you just said, obviously, that you're starting to see some solutions that are more marketable. Which solutions are more marketable? You know, which ones are the ones that you're starting to see really catch on in healthcare as the uh, the main ones, right? The the ones that's kind of the the entry level AI solution. I don't want to dive into some specific ones that our members are investing in. Um, I can talk a little bit about maybe what they're doing. Um, you know, I, for one, for example, uh, they are they're making a, a significant effort around their uh, reducing their length of stay. And they're trying to do that through a number of different pathways. Um, but they also invested in a technology that kind of helps address some of those, some of the issues that they believe are contributing to length of stay. So uh, really being able to surface information about, um, you know, people perhaps decompensating on the floor before uh, they're able to get before they're able to uh, uh, get to them or before the alarm bells go off, right? Kind of setting these early warning indicators between a bunch of different data sources that really there's not a mechanism in place right now. And so it's pulling from all those data sources to say, okay, this, these conditions are being met. This person is at risk of further decomposition and having to go to the ICU, right? So being able to intervene early uh, really is something that they're able to do. Uh, surfacing different things, different needs, from um, from members, right? I should say from their patient population, uh, you know, hitting different databases and being able to tie together. Oh, this person is at risk or is a, a social determinant of care. Uh, they may, you know, it may not come in their in their record that they have food instability or they may be uh, at risk of uh, homelessness. And so, you know, surfacing all of those needs and combining them into one thing has been a very uh, valuable tool that we've seen uh, within uh, the market. And so it's, it's been pretty interesting to see deployed. Um, there's other ones that are a little smaller scale than that. That's a big one. Um, but, you know, you have some pretty big companies out there putting solutions out in the market that are, uh, you know, like I said, smaller scale, maybe specific to a, to a uh, specific uh, practice like radiology. And so... Uh, you know, radiologists are notoriously uh, overburdened the number of studies that they have to read in a given day. It's tough to keep up. So uh, we're seeing some people make investments in technology to hopefully streamline some of their work, uh, you know, make their job easier and to do what they want to do, which is uh, read the studies, help the patients, and um, have all the information that they need at their fingertips to uh, make an appropriate uh, diagnosis. I mean, it sounds like the biggest applications are the ones that are the most proactive or the ones that aim to continue to make healthcare more proactive, which makes sense. I mean, healthcare is meant to be uh, meant to be in place not just to, to treat illnesses and, and to treat 
issues in the body, but to, to prevent them in the first place. Um, and I- yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I think in the end, if every hospital could say, you know, what's the more, most important thing, it's, it's population health. It's maintaining your, uh, the health of your population outside of the four walls of your hospital. And so um, it, it's obviously a challenge and <laughs> different markets have different challenges. And it's a problem that we'll probably always be trying to solve. But uh, really being able to use some of the some of the tools that are starting to emerge to help identify proactively to point uh, some of those risks in the market, uh, I think is going to be uh, really, really powerful for hospitals. So earlier you mentioned social determinants of health, uh, and I think that's probably my personal favorite application at the moment for AI is tools that help address those social determinants. Uh, you know, I think it's a deeper look at healthcare. I think it's a more complex look at healthcare, and I think it's a very proactive look at healthcare. Um, so I wanted to ask if you could break down that concept of social determinants of health for me a little bit and then explain how is AI pulling that information usefully and what are the main the main points of information that AI can source to help determine if someone is at risk for a, a social determinant of health, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think it's important to, to always note that AI isn't going to automatically solve any problem. It's, it's really about assisting in getting the right information to make the right decision. Um, when it comes to social determinants of health, a lot of times you have a lot of frequent flyers who uh, have some of these social determinants of health, whether it's transportation, uh, you know, uh, income, um, you know, housing issues, uh, uh, like I said, food insecurity. Each one of those things plays into uh, people coming back into the hospital and the decisions they have to make for their themselves on a given day by, by surfacing these needs and making sure that they're a being addressed uh, on a on a referral basis and making sure that that referral is actually uh, completed that's a huge issue you know um, Parkland is a really good example um, they they developed a technology a while ago um, they've since spun it off into a company called pieces which is really interesting um, where that's exactly what they do they they understood that they needed to do a better job of identifying their patient population that had uh, social determinants of health and, and it so happens that a lot of their frequent flyers were having those issues they maybe couldn't afford a, a very cheap daily medication that because they weren't taking it they would come into the hospital on a monthly basis and run up six and seven figure bills um, it, it's an amazing story how they kind of came up with this technology and, and what they were able to achieve because of it but it's a very simple view and and, and it goes into the patient uh, or the, the overall population health story which is if you can keep them healthy if you can uh, make it make sure that to the extent that you can you're intervening ahead of time you're going to keep them out of the hospital you're going to keep them from uh, you're going to keep them healthier and you're also going to keep them from consuming very expensive health care uh, that they they don't need to consume if they have the resources available to them in the market so all right brett i feel like we got a solid look there into the current state of AI in healthcare. Now I'd like to switch directions a little bit and focus on our second topic, which is cybersecurity. So 
I think a larger concern as these data points become more integrated into the daily operations of healthcare is more avenues for bad actors to infiltrate a system. I feel like people are aware of these problems, but would you say that more comprehensive security is being adopted fast enough? Yes, no, why or why not? Well, I think it would depend on who you talk to uh, within an organization. Um, I think that if you talk to an IT professional uh, within healthcare, they would always say that they would like to invest more. They would like to do more for their security. Each organization is different in terms of their risk tolerance, in terms of uh, what they're able to do and how much they're able to achieve. You know, um, within healthcare, and these are pretty widely cited, uh, you know, facts, or I, I'll call them, uh, they're referenced figures, I should say, I won't call them facts. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's basically healthcare on average gets about a third of the IT security investment that someone like a financial services sector does. So, I mean, where you're getting on, you know, average, let's call it 5%. Of your IT budget being dedicated to security and financial services, it's fifteen percent or higher, um, and it, it's it's a challenge. It's absolutely a challenge um, within healthcare as well. You, you have the, it's always going to be attacked because a person's uh, medical information is the most valuable. Uh, thing that you can buy from someone on the market. It's more it's more valuable than a social security number. It's more valuable than a credit card number. And that's why you're seeing healthcare as the uh, most frequently attacked uh, sector uh, continually over the last few years. It's, it's, it's been going up and up and up. And there's reason for that. It's because it's profitable. Um, so, you know, it, organizations and hospitals they're doing what they can and there's there's definitely a broad awareness of the importance of cybersecurity right it has board level visibility uh, across the industry it's board level at, at almost all hospitals uh, generally speaking the cyber maturity level across the industry the healthcare industry has improved over the last several years um, but again there are a number of headwinds facing uh, facing healthcare in that front. So I just mentioned the IT security investments. But, uh, you know, in, in addition to that, there's other things too. Um, for example, there's there's an ongoing shortage of talent and it, it's difficult to attract and retain that talent. Uh, cybersecurity is a very hot profession right now. There is a known, there is a widely publicized gap in terms of needs and supply. And uh, you're seeing that that is, you know, <laughs> you're seeing that firsthand in hospitals. It's it's very difficult to at attract and retain that talent. Um, and you know, I think hospitals do everything they can to attract and retain that talent. But uh, you know, in some markets where somebody may come in and get a couple of years experience and then be able to get a twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollar pay increase by going somewhere else, it's tough to say no to that. So uh, it, it's it's definitely a challenge. So. So then what is the main approach to solving that? Is it just overall more funding or is it a cultural thing that the entire industry, you know, kind of like you said, financial services places 15% of their budget, healthcare only places 5% of their budget on cybersecurity in, in general, right? That's a generalization. But, but still, like, do you think 
do you think the solution comes from a cultural shift and that people need to start prioritizing it more? Or is it that we need more funding for, uh, you know, for, for hospitals to invest in in quality professionals and in quality software infrastructure to make that happen? What do you think? You know, the most important thing is making sure that uh, you have the right processes in place. That's the first thing, right? Um, and we're, we've seen a lot of our members go down that path. Our, our TPC membership has uh, individually and collectively done a really good job of uh, kind of establishing those processes and procedures uh, in, in place. So that's, that's really obviously very important. Um, you know, a lot of them are following a framework like the NIST framework, which is, you know, just uh, very good guidelines and, and to make sure that you have uh, certain things in place, kind of a checklist to make sure that you have all your bases covered to the extent that you can. I think that more funding would, of course, you know, be valuable. And I think each organization is incrementally trying to get more funding for security. Um, sometimes it takes a, a bad incident to <laughs> get that, that check to go up uh, and through pretty quick. But uh, I, I think that our, our members, and, and this is the same thing in a lot of hospitals, when you're competing for, you're competing for dollars in your budget in a market that is declining in reimbursement every year, if you're a member like a, a community-based hospital organization, uh, you are likely having a large percentage of your care come from Medicare, Medicaid payers. And so uh, it's not paying the same as a commercial rate. So it's uh, you know, less revenue per patient to do the same thing as other hospitals. So that's an issue. And when you look at an investment to be made and you're going to the board saying, well, do I want to invest this money in, in patient care or in operations or, you know, data protection. And, you know, it's security is so important, but it, it's really tough to say, well, <laughs> this security tool is more important than this piece of equipment that this surgeon or doctor says and has shown will have, you know, XYZ outcome improvements on our patients, which will improve their, you know, improve mortality rates, improve, uh, you know, uh, reduce readmissions and, you know, improve recovery times, all that good stuff. So it's budget season is a tough season in the hospital world. And so uh, with it, when it comes to security, it is tough to get those additional investments when a lot of times it is not seen. It's very tough to put an ROI on an additional security product. That being said, I'm not saying they shouldn't invest more in security. I think, I think, and I believe most hospital professionals, IT professionals, would strongly agree with me that they need more money to uh, keep up with the uh, increasing threats. Uh, there's just there are more and more attacks every day. People are very much trying to be as proactive as they can, but with the advents of just new attack vectors and the expanding attack surface in a hospital, it's, it's, it's a battle that's tough to stay on top of. A good example is uh, IoT devices, right? So many devices are connected now. Everything's connected now, right? Well, uh, lots a lot of medical equipment too. Um, well, a lot of medical equipment, and it's becoming less and less so, but still you have devices that are out there running Windows XP, so it's not a secure device. 
And how do you <laughs> how do you address that? Do you even know what's on your network? And so um, it it becomes it's an ongoing challenge that people are trying to uh, to figure out. And I think you know they're doing the absolute best they can, and a lot of them are doing a really good job at it with uh, what they have. Yeah, and I, like I I don't think people are disregarding the the need to lean into their cybersecurity systems. You know, I think everyone understands the risk, especially after some of the the bigger breaches we saw in like 2017 and 2018 of of major uh, EHRs. I I just think the the disconnect probably just comes from funding and also maybe just more education around you know, they people think maybe that they have the right infrastructure, but as technology changes around them, that infrastructure doesn't evolve as well, right? And and it, it needs to be updating consistently because the nodes that are pulling data and that are, are revolutionizing healthcare, they change almost, you know, month to month, it feels like. So you're right. It, it's, it's difficult to stay on top of. Yeah, it, it is. Um... It, it, it is difficult. I, I would say that whenever you are trying to make an argument for an investment um, on the security front, I kind of go back to something I said earlier. It's almost with any investment, right? If you're going to make an investment, you need to understand what's my ROI. And historically, a lot of organizations have had a hard time showing an ROI. It's easiest to show an ROI after a breach and say, well, this breach cost me $2.5 million dollars. Um, this breach was because someone opened a, uh, a phishing email. Um, we submitted for a budget for this, you know, software tool that does X, Y, Z, but um, we got it denied. And somebody opened a phishing email, and now we uh, <laughs> had, uh, you know, we either got ransomware or we got crypto jacked or you know whatever the case may be. Um, but a lot of times those big fines result in um, a lot more security investment and, and unfortunately people are d only able to historically have been defining those ROIs and um, potential cost avoidance but uh, it, it's it's a very it's very messy math and very uh, <laughs> gray math versus a, a defined ROI up front on an investment so so you mentioned IoT being one of the main new attack vectors for cybersecurity hackers. Are there any other innovations in technology or any other main points that bad actors are typically searching for or are most vulnerable that um, healthcare professionals need to watch out for? Well, I think uh, I, I really think that those IoT devices is a big one. Um, people are they're starting to invest in tools and around uh, making sure that they have inventory of their items and they can see what's on their network and have full visibility and be able to see any sort of uh, uh, behavior from devices on their network that uh, doesn't really meet the criteria of what that uh, device should do according to uh, the type of device that it is. Um, you know, you're, you're also seeing a lot of, um, of uh, phishing attacks. Again, phishing is... Uh, is a very, very uh, common way, and I think it's the most common way of uh, hackers getting attacks getting inside the organization rather than, uh, you know, outside of insider attacks or people uh, just, you know, leaving information somewhere. Uh, it is uh, the number one way that people are uh, being breached. And a lot of them are now fileless attacks. So, you know, it used to be like, oh, I'd get a 
a PDF with a, hey, review this quote, and you click the PDF and that's, you know, it executes a virus or some sort of a malicious payload. And now you don't even have to open a file. You can just, once your email gets through, once you open that email, it starts running. And so, I mean, that, that is terrifying to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Like how, how do you even avoid that? You need some pretty sophisticated, um, yeah, some pretty sophisticated junk email to sift through that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, there, there's different ways that people are able to, uh, to address that. You know, one of our members, uh, made an investment recently in a product, uh, that, essentially uh, opens those emails in um, kind of like a little black box almost where it, it opens it and uh, looks for anything to execute in that. And then if it does, well, it's kind of in this little black box. And so it tricks it into thinking that it's operating on the network. Um, but, uh, you know, so essentially it, it wipes out the possibility of opening, of, of being fished or significantly reduces uh, much closer to zero than without it. Um, and so uh, that's something that they felt, you know, look, fishing is a very big problem. It's, you know, no matter how much you train, no matter how much you educate, you're still going to have a certain uh, percent of your population that will click on those emails. And this is the best way for us to address this on a go forward basis. So uh, there's, so like I said, there's, there's a lot of tools on the market. Um, it's just having to understand what do you feel, where do you feel like you're most vulnerable and what processes can you put in place and beyond process, what technologies can you put in right. place to, to further that protection? So, well, Brett, I feel like we've gotten a really comprehensive look here at these two aspects of it and healthcare. Um, so I'd like to wrap things up by asking a, a more generalized question. Um, to, to really focus in your thought leadership here. So what would you say is the most pressing action the industry needs to take to further IT and healthcare? Um, either further what's already in place or to implement new technology. You know, what, what is, if everyone had to focus all their energy towards one thing, what would it be? And that's probably a tough, a tough question, you know, right? Uh, it's kind of, kind of an opinionated question here. You know, it doesn't have to be the, the real end all be all, but you know, if you had to make that choice, what do you think it would be? Man, um, I, I really don't even know how to answer that question. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it really depends. Everybody is situated differently. Um, every organization has IT leaders and IT teams with different strengths and weaknesses. Um, so, uh, from a secure, it, it depends if you're talking about from a security or a, an innovation standpoint, um, on the data side, right. Um, you know, I think that security people are going to continue to invest there. Um, but in, in, you know, people are, are making progress towards, uh, you know, improved cyber maturity postures and, um, or I should say, uh, uh, cyber maturity levels. Um, I guess I would have to go more on the uh, on the data side. Is really you know understanding how can you use the data that you have, and make sure you're surfacing the most relevant data in a timely manner to improve your care improve the outcomes for your patient population. And I think that's, I think people are making efforts at that, but I really think that, you know, 
in the end, that's what's going to drive the, a very significant improvement in uh, patient outcomes. And improvement in patient outcomes improves the health of the industry overall. Uh, and so I think that uh, that's really where you're going to see people focusing over the next few years. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely put you in a tough spot here with this question, yes. but yeah. but uh, I also think that regardless of your answer, I, I think we might both agree that whatever choice a, an institution decides to make, I think it's having that patient care and that proactivity in mind, because whether it's the data or the security, I think they're both being motivated by a sense of, you know, how can we, how can we mm -hmm. stop x thing earlier you know how, how can we be proactive about this instead of installing or implementing technology that is reactive um and it that, that's great to see i mean that's i think the core of what makes healthcare so powerful um is when it's proactive so the fact that the technology is getting that same treatment i think i think points in a good direction oh, absolutely well brett thank you so much for joining me on this podcast it was a pleasure getting your insight on this i Really enjoyed getting to chat today, um, and I'm looking forward to getting you back on in the future. Well, thank you for having me. appreciate the conversation. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.